It's April 24th, and it's good to have you with us on our one-year Bible tour. We have been on this journey for many days and have been enriched with dramatic portrayals of God's mercy and patience. We continue each day to observe God's pursuit towards His goal in human redemption. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to be reading through the Bible aloud with you and serve as a tour guide. Today we are in the Old Testament book of Judges and the New Testament gospel according to Luke. As I mentioned yesterday, not all that is in the Bible is written to us. We must be careful to distinguish what was written to the nation of Israel and what applies to us in the New Testament era. Yet, although all may not be written to us, all Scripture is written for us. As the Apostle Paul wrote to his protege Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So we're now in the book of Judges in the Old Testament and entering the week of Jesus' Passion in the New Testament. We will witness betrayal in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We will also witness the hand of the Redeemer in both the Old and New Testaments. So let's first go to today's Old Testament reading in the One-Year Bible, the reading for April 24th, Judges chapter 2, beginning with verse 10. And once again, this year I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress." Then the Lord raised up judges, who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Chapter 3 Now these are the nations that the Lord left, to test Israel by them, that is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. 
It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations, the five lords of the Philistines, and all the Canaanites, and the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon as far as Lebo Hamath. They were for the testing of Israel, to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz. Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest forty years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He gathered to himself the Ammonites and the Amalekites, and went and defeated Israel. And they took possession of the city of Palms. And the people of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he bound it on his right thigh under his clothes. And he presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back at the idols near Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he commanded, Silence. And all his attendants went out from his presence. And Ehud came to him as he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. And he arose from his seat. And Ehud reached with his left hand, took the sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. And the hilt also went in after the blade, And the fat closed over the blade, for he did not pull the sword out of his belly, and the dung came out. Then Ehud went out into the porch and closed the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone, the servants came, and when they saw that the doors of the roof chamber were locked, they thought, Surely he is relieving himself in the closet of the cool chamber. And they waited till they were embarrassed. But when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber, They took the key and opened them, and there lay their Lord dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they delayed, and he passed beyond the idols and escaped to Seirah. When he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim. Then the people of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he was their leader.
And he said to them, Follow after me, for the Lord has given your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and did not allow anyone to pass over. And they killed at that time about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. This is the end of today's portion of the Old Testament, the book of Judges. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. In the book of Judges, we learn that an entire generation grew up not knowing or believing the good news of who God is and what He has done for them. All that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which He had done for Israel. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It is similar to the case today, when people forget the gospel. The apostasy begins with a toleration of that which is out of harmony with the holiness of God. Then they start to admire what is out of harmony with the holiness of God. In Israel's case, they served Baal and the Ashtoreth. They looked to other sources for blessings. These counterfeit gods allowed for indulgence of carnal pursuits, sensuality, and sexual immorality. By bowing to these idols, the children of Israel were denying that Yahweh was the one true God. They rationalized that they could have Yahweh plus Baal and Ashtoreth for the best life now. If Baal was appeased, he promised fertility, success, and prosperity. These gods dominated the culture then, just as money, sex, and power do our culture today. When we refuse to be separate from the spirit of the age, we find that, like the children of Israel, we can no longer stand before our enemies. Judges chapter 2, verse 14. The history of this period is reflected in another summary verse. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do as their fathers. Judges chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. An important truth to recognize is that God will allow us to face difficult circumstances to test us. These are the trials of our faith. The hard times and false ways cause us to be spiritually exercised, gain experience, and grow in spiritual discernment. Judges chapter 3 begins, quote, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to test Israel by them, that is, all who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan, only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war, those who had not experienced it formerly. End quote. Judges chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. The Lord's will of command was for Israel to drive out the nations. His sovereign will of decree was to use the nations that they failed to drive out to chastise them. God's objectives would not be thwarted. In chapter 3, verse 5, the declension and deliverance pattern that characterizes the period of the judges begins. The first cycle of deliverance starts with Othniel. First, there is the declension. The sons of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and they took their daughters for themselves as wives and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. Judges 3, verses 5 to 6. Then comes the deliverance. 
When the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Othniel is the first of fifteen judges in this period. His victory brought forty years of peace. Then comes the second cycle of deliverance, with Ehud. First we see the spiritual declension, defeat, and enemy domination. After Othniel's death, the Israelites were defeated and served Eglon, the king of Moab, for eighteen years. After the spiritual declension comes the spiritual deliverance. When the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up left-handed Ehud, who with his secret weapon, a short two-edged sword, attached to his thigh and hidden under his cloak, killed the obese king Eglon and led the sons of Israel to strike down ten thousand robust valiant Moabite men. Ehud secured peace for eighty years. The third cycle of declension and deliverance has to do with the judge Shamgar. After Ehud came another judge, Shamgar, who struck down six hundred Philistines with his simple weapon of an ox goad. It appears that he did this single-handedly. He must have been a man of great passion and persistence. In Judges chapter 3, verse 31, it would require great stamina and resolve to carry this out. He was driven by conviction, but we wonder how effective he was as a leader, especially when he is mentioned in Deborah's song in chapter 5, which we'll be reading tomorrow. Judges chapter 5, verse 6 reads, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the roads were abandoned. Travelers took to winding paths. People did not travel on the main roads for some reason. Perhaps they were not safe from attack, or maybe the roads were in poor repair. Shamgar may have been successful in some areas, but he neglected some of the important areas of concern that could have benefited from his attention. We'll read more about that tomorrow. Now let's go to our New Testament reading, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22, verses 14 through 34. Jesus is instituting what we know as the Lord's Supper. Verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. 
and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And on that sobering note, we end our reading of today's portion in the New Testament. Jesus and the New Testament writers knew that all that the Passover meal promised would one day be perfectly fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 22, verse 16. Jesus would be our deliverer from the leaven of our old man of sin, the feast of unleavened bread, that we might be a new unleavened lump, a new humanity in Christ. The Apostle Paul reminds the Christians at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, to clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ our Passover also has been sacrificed. Jesus would be our Passover lamb. He would drink the third cup in the Passover Seder, the first after the meal known as the cup of redemption. In Luke 22, verse 20, And in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. There is a fourth cup, the cup of the kingdom, sometimes referred to as the cup of Elijah. This Jesus promises to drink with us when the kingdom of God fully comes with his return. When Jesus lets his disciples know that one of them would betray him, they seem incredulous that one of their number would be able to do such a thing. Luke tells us that at this time they began to argue as to who would be the greatest in the kingdom, unaware that they would all soon desert him in a matter of hours. Peter boldly professes that he would die for Christ, only to hear from Jesus that he would deny him three times. We can be encouraged that Jesus prays for us as he prays for Peter, that our faith may not fail, and that once converted, we might strengthen our brothers and sisters. I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And now we go to the Bible's prayer and song book, the book of Psalms the book of heart cries, and we read Psalm 92 and 93 today. How great are your works, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work, at the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish, all evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. 
They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green, to declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Let's pause and think about that. Flourish is a wonderful word. To flourish is what God wills for us. He desires that we bloom and grow. He desires that we be fruitful in every good work. The righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Verses 12 to 13. We will not flourish if we forget how great God is and the wonderful work of salvation He accomplished for us in Christ. Do not be senseless or stupid, as in verse 6, but give thanks out loud, day and night. God has done great things. Sing praises. Declare the truth about God. He is just. He is upright. He is your rock. There is no unrighteousness in Him. Now let's read Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as His belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. And that concludes Psalm 93. Let's celebrate these facts. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Because of this, we can stand firm and not be shaken. Although floods and violent storms come, none can topple His throne. The final note in this psalm concerns God's impeccable character. He is holy forever and ever. Psalm 93, verse 5. And now we read today's Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. We can be grateful for a person who habitually builds up their household, but we also know that a person can just as easily slip into a negative and destructive mode of behavior. What makes the difference is the degree to which we give attention to our loving Creator God and what He has revealed of His righteous ways. Now let's pray together. O God, our hope in ages past, our hope for years to come, You are our Deliverer, and in You we put our trust. Forgive us for those times when we lean on our own understanding and let the judges rule, doing what's right in our own eyes. You are our Sovereign King and worthy of our trust and obedience. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who enables us to keep in step with you as we walk in faith with a desire to do what pleases you. We look forward to the fulfillment of all that you have promised in the new covenant when we drink the kingdom cup with you at your return. Until that day, may we flourish and bring forth eternal fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been so good to be with you today, our reading community from around the world, and to be journeying through the Bible. Let's encourage one another to love and good works. We are not a people without a king, so let's serve him with gladness. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you'd like to be in contact with us, you can write podcast at newlife.org or you can leave comments wherever you receive your podcast. 
You can also subscribe to a written copy of our daily commentary by going to our website, newlife.org. Very simple, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. God bless you and have a great day if you're going out into the morning or get a good night's sleep if you are reading this at the end of the day. Shalom. Shalom.